everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comics Fondle podcast. My name is Andrew, and my blog is comicsfondle.com. And uh, I'm your uh, other shining voice on this uh, station here, Vernon Wiley, uh, proprietor of the Comics Gallery, a fine retail establishment in Wilmette, Illinois. And this is our monthly-ish podcast where we talk about the latest in comic book sort of and old stuff and new stuff and all sorts of stuff. So, But it's got to be about comics. I mean, you know, no it's one It's got to be about comics. Right. No one wants to hear a podcast. It's not about comic books, let me tell you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but this year, uh, this particular podcast, which will probably be our last one of 2013, uh, Andrew and I have decided to uh, go along with the herd, as it were, and uh, give our top uh, lists for 2013 as far as comic books and graphic novels are concerned. Yes, and so you have a list ready and ready to go. Is that I am correct? ready. Yes, indeed. I mean, but uh, you know what? We we, we normally you you talk about media and we talk about news, and it's the holiday season, so there's a lot of news. Except there was one quick news quote uh, I wanted to bring up, and that was the November sales totals that you and I have emailed each other about. Yeah, yeah. And uh, incidentally, Marvel and DC uh, share. Uh, Marvel came up, I think it was three quarters of a percentage higher than DC in dollar sales, but combined, they only made together 59% of the uh, North American market. And, and that is the lowest since. Ooh, April Somebody 2000. had the number. I yeah. got it, baby. It's April 2003 when Marvel, uh, according to the article on uh, Comicron.com, uh, talked about Marvel finishing up what was it, some business with their bank? bankruptcy so they had a shorter amount of titles to publish than they normally did as well so they've actually they're 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 getting closer to that magic uh, mark as we say uh the, you mentioned not being important anymore yeah well you know they're always going to be important to the short-sighted shops that can only carry uh, long underwear characters but i tell you uh you, you you stated it succinctly. Nine more points, man, and they're not the big two anymore. And that's that's pretty much there the final go. word on that. So let's keep going, kids. Buy them alternative comics and teach these assholes how to how to get back on their horse. Anyway, I don't know. We'll, we'll probably be doing nuclear Armageddon, but what the heck? At least we'll get some good comics out of it. Well, anyway, top ten comics of uh, 2013. You know, this was a hard list to compile. And I'll put a disclaimer at the beginning because uh, a, even though we have the creators' names, neither Andrew or I have never met them or their friends personally for the most part. So if we mispronounce their names, uh, give us a break here, okay? And, uh, you know, the top ten comics list is one that's filled with prejudices. Uh, I'm, I'm a certain age. I like comics. But uh, Andrew and I read an awful lot of comics. Uh, out of the ones you'll hear here, this is just but a small fraction of uh, what he and I both read in an entire year. So God help us, right? <laughs> And uh, let's see, anyway, the, let's see, should we go from 10 to 1? Yes. Okay, yeah. 10 to 1, okay. Well, I'm going to say this is my list, so our, Andrew's going to argue with me a lot, but that's okay, that's what we do a lot. Um, my 10th my, my favorite was Garth Ennis' Battlefields. That finished up in uh, 2013 by uh, Garth Ennis, and was it primarily Russ Braun, I think his name was? Uh, I think he had different people for each three again. I okay. mean, he always does that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it, it actually finished up in 2013. God, it doesn't seem that – it seems longer ago than that for some reason, but uh, that was a pretty good comic. I mean, uh, there was a couple of moments in his run where he, he shed a tear over the characters, and uh, I don't know. You, you wrote pretty favorably about the series yourself in your uh, blog, I think. Yep, I'm uh... – I'm a Battlefields fan. Uh, he had his ups and downs with it as usual, but I'm a fan. 
Yep. It's it's what Garth wants to be doing. Uh, I think that's the famous story about what is his name, Nick Bertucci of Dynamite was was asking Garth Ennis what he wanted to do, and Garth was like, "Well, I want to do some more war comics," and yeah. he was kind of like, "Oh, okay, fine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those good, those great selling war comics, but. All we can tell you is that they're damn good war comics, okay? No one in the history of the medium of our generation probably writes better war stories than Garth Ennis. And his Battlefields was worth pursuing. There's trades available from, is it Dynamite, I think it is? Yeah. Yep, Dynamite. All right, let's move on to my number nine. My number nine on the pick was Todd, the Ugliest Kid on Earth. I think I got the title <laughs> That's a right. funny book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, by M.K. Perker and artist Ken Christensen. And, it's the other uh, way around. Nope, oh, the other way MK around. MK Perker, yeah, MK, they both work on the they both work on the story, but uh, Christensen's the the writer. Oh, and okay. Then, uh, yeah, yeah, and then MK Perker, who also did uh, Flight, was right. that it at uh, at Vertigo? Yeah, that series that back when Vertigo was still mm, very generous and allowed it to run what like thirty yeah. issues or something. Anyway, yeah. Todd is uh, one of those great, what, social satires of America, mm-hmm. perhaps. And uh, what do you call that? The the amount of material in an average issue of Todd will give you a pretty good education on the uh, the the level of America in general. But it's not for the squeamish, and it's not for anybody that's uh, oh, just got out of church anyway. But it's it's a good book overall. Yeah. All right. Let me see. And here. it uh... – Go ahead. It it sort of started out. Remember, it started out as a limited, and then they announced toward the end it was going to come back as an ongoing, which well, seems to be more the practice these days. It, that they actually are giving things trial runs. Right, they are giving trial runs. You know, I don't think the numbers on Todd are great. I mean, if it's something they can pursue, that's good. I'm all for it. I'm going to read every issue, but ugh, you know, it's just one of those books that's kind of a niche. You know. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it, it's very humorous and very biting, and it's social satire. And Todd and his family are certainly perfect. Uh, you know, they make uh, they make a lot of characters that we see now look like uh, nuns and priests. You know, but uh, good stuff from those guys anyway. And let's see, my number eight was, believe it or not, and I know you might argue with me on this one, but it's uh, Six Gun Gorilla by Simon Spurrier and uh, artist Jeff Stokely, all English products, I believe. I like Six Gun Gorilla. I think I'd probably agree with it. Um, I had a problem with the ending because it was a little busy. Uh, yeah, he bit up a lot more than he could chew. Yep, bit, yep. Yeah, he bites off a lot more than he can chew. But no, I mean, I really like... I think I said, was it about the third one? I cannot follow anything that is going on in this comic, yet I'm still enjoying it. And that is the sign of a, of a, good, of a good book. Um, yeah, where, where, where a writer can carry along with his ideas and not necessarily have a, a perfect track to base him on, but you're still, like, totally engaged in the thing and the characters. And uh, a lot of it was Mr. Jeff Stokely's cartoony-like artwork and, that made the uh, surreal very plausible. And, and that might be coming back, too, remember? Yeah. Oh, really? They're going to bring that? Yeah, you're right. They, they, oh, you, you mentioned that. There was that little thing about uh, dovetailing. Is that what we call it? Yeah, they they say something about the comeback. It's sort of a very Road Warrior-like ending where, in what was seen of the Six-Gun Gorilla, we shall never know, but it sort of sounds like he's coming back. Well, hopefully Boom had enough of a sales success. I think it'd be good for another runaround. Uh, A nice book, though, overall, and a real good break from the mainstream mediocrity that we're accustomed to in comic books anyway. 
Yeah. All right. My number seven came in is Mr. Satellite Sam, or is it just Satellite ah. Sam? Yeah, Mad Fraction and Howard Chaikin. I mean, the book itself has a lot of, uh, what's it? Is it continuity fluxes where you get lost within it or something like that, and you quickly realize it's not necessarily about Satellite Sam, but about all the characters within that world. And Fraction is weaving a really nice story, uh, despite like the fact that you really got to pay attention and keep track of stuff to some degree. Yeah, I, I think I'd probably put that higher. Um, it, I, I don't watch uh, what's that show, Mad Men, but it really seems like a Mad Men-y type thing. Uh, it's it's set in the fifty-seven, early fifties, or mid. Yeah. You know, it's the TV revolution. It's it's a really good book. It's uh, it's got a nice mix of how would you put it. Social, social, uh, workplace, yeah, yeah, workplace sort of black comedy, um, social commentary about the 50s, TV history, politics, and then politics, and then some smut, yeah, uh, smut, sexual, he's got how he's shaking, doing, yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot of shake and bake in everybody's different office at uh, Satellite Sam's, you know, um, Howie Chaikin is a perfect artist for this series, his understanding of uh, retro and uh. Uh, yet, I don't know what you call it, hip, clickish type of movement of the camera and all that kind of stuff. He seems to fit well. And it's in black and white. And um, I don't think we've talked about, I think we might have mentioned Buck Rogers before, but in the last, I'd say, nine years, Shaken's gotten a lot lazier. Oh, he's old. He, you know, he doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, he, it seems he, like black and white, he does a lot better than he does when his work's got to then be turned around and colored. Yeah, he seems to work a little harder when he's got to uh, make yeah. sure that it, it, the, when, when it leaves his board, that's pretty much what you're going to see on the po- comic page, you know? Yeah. But, but a fun read. It's not finished yet. It's kind of like halfway through the first arc. I'm not sure, but... It's a good uh, it's a good challenge for those of you who enjoy uh, good melodrama, soap opera, politics, all that kind of stuff. Done with a lot of panache, I guess you'd say. Well, let's see here. My number six is going to come in to surprise you, and uh, you you probably won't have a lot of commentary unless you've been sneaking behind my back lately. But I'm giving it to Zombo by Al Ewing and Henry Flint. Oh, you you're cheating. Those are collections of old <sighs> 2000 AD. I said strips. I said I was gonna I said I was gonna cheat on my own rules, and I you All know right. like you you make rules, you make rules, and then you go in through the list, and like I got to do this because this was initially serialized in 2000 AD, which is a format that 99.9% of Americans aren't going to see. But I tell you, it's it's just good social satire. Um, it's heavily biting. It's like Mad Magazine for adults. And Henry Flynn illustrates it all with a perfect deadpan comedian type thing with a zombie. It's a secret weapon of the United States uh, sent on various missions. The first thing is a huge parody of Lost, the TV show. Are you familiar with that one? I am, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, the whole thing is, is lost, and it is just – it starts out with a plain I, – I forget all the, the the lunacies that occur in it, but it's like 330 passengers on a, on, a, on a spaceship that crash land on this planet. 
survive out of a total population of 300, as it were. You know, some more people survive or whatever. But it, it, it just goes from the absurdities and goes on from them. So make sure you read it. And I'm thinking kids – 2000 AD did a, a good trade paperback, which was released. If you get your hands on it, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. All right, now we're going to something that Andrew's more familiar with. Uh, okay. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that one. Um, anyway, number five came in with Lock and Key by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. We just got the latest, cha- the last chapter in this week, believe it or not. I haven't read it because it was just came in yesterday. But uh, and I'm I'm only I don't even remember how many. <laughs> I'm, I'm, miniseries behind, yeah. Well, it, it, I'm it, behind. You yeah. know what? I, I will say that it's kept its momentum. The craft on all all, all six cylinders is still cranking away on this story uh, about a family and its, uh, what do you call it, their, their inheritance of a huge mansion uh, on the East Coast that's just filled with demons and doorways to other dimensions. And there, there are horrible struggles to stay alive and, and have a life, and it's pretty wild stuff, but... Uh, the the two have kept it up, and they just got their finishing chapter out there today. And I'm just like, oh, i got to sit down and read this, but I've been too busy. But so far, uh, it's been consistently excellent through five trade paperbacks worth of material. So it came in at number five on my uh, top ten list. And, oh, oh, God, here's another one. You see number four. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this one. Uh, empowered by uh, Adam Warren and uh, Takeshi Miyazawa, this uh, one shot, as it were. Mm-hmm. You read some Empowered yet? I'm not sure. I have not. You uh, love that series. I know, I know. Primity, anyway. Well, I don't know. I'll try to make a long story short. Uh, what do you call that? He's been doing a, was it Adam Warren uh, Writes and Draws, a series uh, that I'm very enamored with called Empowered, about a uh, female and a uh, satirical bunch of uh, superheroes who has a lot of self-esteem issues. And uh, Adam graces us with these one-shots that come out periodically by other artists than himself. Normally he draws and writes strip himself but he came out with this uh, one shot called uh, nine beers with ninjet her best friend where they sit on a roof and they have beers together and talk about life and uh it actually came in as one of the the coolest comic books of 2013 to me just because it it gets everything it wants to say under the wire and it does it in such a manner that uh i don't know what is it 25 28 pages of story and art it just goes across wonderfully and uh, Takeshi Miyazawa, I'm trying to remember where I, I've saw them, but this person before. Did they use, maybe their old Runaway series they did with uh, Brian K. Vaughn a few years back at Marvel? But that's one that you really got to look for, kids. Uh, Empowered is a wonderful series, and the one shot uh, Nine Beers with Ninja is one of my favorites of the year. All right, well, here's one finally that Andrew's more than familiar with, so I'll let him do the talking more so here. Uh, okay. With Dream Thief by Jay Nitz. Oh, that's Blake a good Wall. series. It came in at number three, so I'll let you uh, take that one anyway for a minute. Okay, so Dream Thief. Now, who did that? Dark Horse. Now, Dark Horse just started doing... What did they start doing? They just started doing that... Um, a bunch of horror titles. Yes, yes. What was it? What and, but was Dream... Dream Thief, yeah. Yeah, Kiss Me Satan, uh, the Grindhouse one, and some other ones. But Dream Thief was from earlier this year when they really didn't seem like they're putting out a lot of new material and dream thief does not feel like a dark horse book of the current era. No, it feels like it'd be more at home at uh image, even dynamite. I mean, the writer Jay Nitz is a dynamite house guy. And it's this, it's this book about a guy who uh, inherits a mask that lets him 
other that lets dead people take over his body and avenge themselves. It's 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 the reason it works is because uh, Jay Nitz he he sort of does like a. We're using a lot of TV vocabulary now with comics, which is interesting because it seemed like when you know stuff like Lost came on, you were using a lot of comic book vocabulary with comics about how they they did story arcs and things, which actually started with Hill Street Blues. But who's counting? But uh, yeah, so the first issue of Dream Thieves like a setup, and it's all right. But the second issue is just sort of episodic, and it's really cool. And it's coming back next year, and uh, it's just a good little, oh. just a really good little series. And the art is uh, Greg Smallwood. Greg Smallwood, and it's sort of of the Michael Lark school of realism. Yes, all painted though. Yeah, all painted, though. Yeah, and it looks great. It looks very dynamic, and it just carries you along. I mean, uh, Andrew and I, when we uh, started reading this series, and it was like five issues long, and we're like, God, this guy's got so much shit going on in here. How's he going to do all this in five issues? And, and, and he does it. And, and not only that, but it dovetails to more stories, which is uh, a very successful. Probably, what would you say this is probably the most successful miniseries as far as like aesthetics was concerned? I'm not sure. Of the year? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it held up a lot better. I mean, Half Past Danger held up pretty well, all yeah, things the, considered. Well, the um, dovetailing, though, killed that one, though, for me. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it. I feel like this is, It's. it seems like 2013 is the first year where we've, we've seen this. And we saw this at Vertigo, I want to say, 10 years ago with... Uh, Midnight Mass, they kept giving that miniseries trying to get it enough momentum to pick up an ongoing. Right. Uh, which is something DC did a lot, I think, in the 80s and uh, some of the 90s, is they kept trying things to, to build up the momentum. And now we're seeing it, and we, we already mentioned it earlier with Six Gun Samurai, that people are trying it again, that they're trying, uh, more indie publishers are, are trying to build up momentum. And it's a great idea, but. If you're the end of your first series is just set up for the second or just uh, laziness, self-congratulatory laziness that you got a series order for another series, which is sort of what Half Past Danger does is that he congratulates himself. They have a party to celebrate the fact they're going to have another series. Whereas what Dream Thief does is, is it the last issue reminds you of the stuff that hasn't been resolved sets up the new dynamic for another series and it just works as a really nice like kind of pilot right because the conclusion series. comes to a number of the key elements that were introduced in the early part of the thing about his sister and how yeah, they, yeah and it all just it works because he he kind of solves that first what it, i won't call it a case but he solves that first problem, but he becomes involved with other people as he uh, as they take his body over while he's yeah. wearing the mask and stuff. I, I was pr- I was really profoundly affected. What was it by the fourth issue where he's uh, he's got a guy who knows how to play cards and he gets involved in this high stakes poker game at Elvis's mansion, and just the amount of detailing. You wonder like where has Jay Nitz been all our life and why is he wasting away at dynamite? Let's get him right. Yeah, why is why is he doing the Tarzan knockoff? Uh, yeah, uh, which I actually liked. So yeah, I you did. Don't. I wish I had patience to get through it but yeah, yeah exactly uh, all right moving on we've got number two number two for me now i could hear some arguments on this one but it, okay, it kind of came through the overall was fatal by ed brubaker and sean phillips um uh, 
No, I can see that. I mean, it's really... It, it, the way it built itself up and, and the succession of this year of the single-issue uh, stories about, I'm going to mm. call it Joan, you know, Joe or Josephine. Joe. Joe. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, 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 I'm starting to believe that the main character is an immortal being. Is that what you're getting out of this? Or or that women are cursed throughout the ages. It, Except they, this one looks the same on every incarnation. It looks generally the same, yeah. Right, right. We'd have to see. Um, yeah, no, it has. The... the it's getting. It's funny you bring it up, since as I recall, the latest issue is getting a little long in the tooth on the uh, the music arc. But the Nirvana storyline, yes. Yeah, in some ways, it is a lot like um, Dream Thief in that what Brubaker is now doing is so. It started what I want to say 2011. No, even earlier no, than that, but 12. perhaps not. No, yeah. what, what are they up to? They're only uh, up to 18 ish. Yeah, oh, so probably 12. Yeah, and that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, I didn't think it was that young, so, but yeah. The first arc introduced a, a guy, and then Brubaker sort of flushed him down the toilet. I don't know that he's even shown up in the... the oh, in the current stuff, yes. Yeah, he hasn't really been in it for a long time at this point. Right. And so now what... So Brubaker did these flashbacks, right? And that was this year and those were those these awesome one shots except it's always it's not phillips i don't think i mean phillips must make enough money doing something else that he can do a well you know fatal does not while it does not hold huge numbers i think it holds enough for them for them to make a profit on the books and the trade paperbacks to be honest with you um the third one that that does those uh the third one that came out was it this year has those single issues. If you oh, don't have the okay. patience, you should go out and grab that one because that's just a smoker of a trade paperback. And he kind of takes Fatal to a different level within these stories, I think, too. And I'm trying to remember if I said it, but so he does this Nirvana. Lip-rip. It's kind of like the Beatles mi- mixed with Nirvana. And right, and Joseph Joe the immortal is Yoko. person. Yeah, is yeah. involved with one of the members of this band or just happens upon them. And her presence within the band all alterly affects everything around her. Yeah, which lets Brubaker do a story basically whenever he wants now, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. But it reminds, I think this is the one where he finally reminds a little, he, he gets some of that low-life personality back because he's writing about stoners. Right. And um, I feel like... Well, he feels well, sorry with the, the shit that happens to the character. I'm sorry. Excuse, go ahead. Sorry. What has he been doing? What was he was doing? Criminal and yeah. some mainstream stuff at Marvel that I don't even know anymore. Like what Captain America? He yeah, Winter Soldier. That was right. this. He was year, doing so. that with Michael Lark. But you know, it's it, it's been a long time since Brubaker's done anything all that exciting. Right, and and, he's getting exciting again. Right, Fatal hit a high point in 2013 with the uh, Josephine out of the time situation where you you start seeing this the the cur- it's the cur- is it the curse of women I don't know I, I, he'll have to tell us at his next interview at a convention of what, what what's the concept behind Josephine but I'm I'm taking her as like an immortal being that lives in different embodiments as time goes on. And the stories kind of support that, but, you know, since he's not stating that, I can't really say that, but it's kind of where it's going with me anyway. And, you know, he's very fortunate to have Sean Phillips along because Sean just translates his stuff. I guess these guys are – they've been working together so long that he understands what Ed's going for because it it comes off very realistically, very honest, 
And it works. It just freaking works. I mean, two storytellers, I think, at the top of their, their craft are on exhibit here. And at least you read that one. Ha-ha. Yeah, ha-ha. Well. All right, what's anyways, your number one? We got number one, man, and you probably know what it is. Can you guess? I Oh, well, if it's either going to be – it's either going to surprise me or be obvious. All right. Well, my number one pick is Profit. Uh, okay. And, yep. and that niche book that sells, what, all the 5,700 copies in issue. God help us all. But Profit by Brandon McCarthy and his various uh, – his various gang of artists, uh, primarily among them, I, if I mingle these guys' names, forgive me, Gian, Giannis uh, Milano Giannis. <laughs> Milano, Milano Giannis? I'm trying here, buddy. And Simon Roy. I think they're the principal artists. And then uh, not to be miss, not to be left behind is the colorists. Uh, the primary one has been, what's his name, Joseph Bergen III. Um, Prophet. Prophet is perhaps the most mind-expanding book that was published in 213, I think, and really pushed my boundaries as a comics reader farther than they'd been in a while. So, uh, and, and Brandon McCarthy is just so all over the place in this uh, centuries-spanning galactic story about a cloned warrior who once again wakes up after tens of thousands of years and decides it's time to go against uh, the Mother Earth that's trying to take over the galaxy again type stuff. But it's filled with so much side baggage and little details about stories from here and there that the average person would have to work. And that's that's the thing about some of the comics on this list is you have to work. These are not easy comics to read. You have to pay attention and perhaps read them two, maybe three times to, to get the whole picture. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's too much for some people. I get it. But, you know, it's worth it. You know, how, do, how what did you think about Profit this year? Oh, it's been a great year for it. Yeah. Um I'm not sure since I read it in large clumps when I'm I'm running behind on it. I sometimes uh I can't remember the big issues, but no, this oh this year had the one with um the robot where they do the whole issue with the robot. That was a couple issues ago. Right, no, that's been a great year issue. for profit. Yeah, I mean it's it it's a great Profit. It's been a great year for it. Profit is a book that where where Brandon McCarthy, who's going to get my writer of the writer of the year, just because he blew my mind away. Um, he has this great galaxy-spanning saga, but he also envelops you in these like intimate side stories among this entire picture. You know, he'll throw it in there, like like the robot. You know, that was yeah. a one. That was a one and done, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where, where one of the clones wakes up, yeah. and his whole mission is to make sure this other clone gets started and gets on his mission. And it was just great, great freaking stuff. Um, I don't know. It, it, you know, like I look at the artists and, and how much – he's had other artists besides the main two I mentioned. Uh, I think Daryl Farrowwimple. God help me if I may. Oh, yeah, he did things. an issue. Yeah. He did an issue and a couple of things, and there was a couple other guys. And then, you know, again, the coloring of Joseph Bergen III – cannot be overstated. You look at this guy's work, and you look at some hideously colored comics, okay? And Joseph Bergen has the complete palette and a mature outlook on comics where he can limit it down to, what, 12 fucking colors or something like that and blow you away with how much he contributes to the mood, the story, the atmosphere, and everything moving along. And it's just an essential part of um, profit. It's part of its successful whole. The chemistry is there for everybody. And if you're not reading Profit, well, all I can say is have a couple of beers, indulge in your favorite substance, and read Profit. That's all I can tell you. I don't know. 
Okay. Right. So. We had some honorable. I do not have. Please go ahead. Do you have honorable mentions? Too? I have honorable mentions, man. I'm telling you. Wow, I, man. I was, all right. All Here right. You go. We're going to blow through them, okay? This is not going to be right. a long list. It's a long list. Six Gun by Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt. Why Which didn't this make the top ten list for me? Um, it, it's great. I love their book. I'm on the end. But when you talk about emotional response, I don't think this is my favorite year. Uh, okay. But I'm still on board. Uh, Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and uh, Fiona Staples. I mean, these guys are living the American life, uh, American success story, and uh, God bless them. It's, a, it's something all American creators should emulate. Uh, Legend of Luther Strode, Justin Jordan and Trad Moore. Good stuff. Did you get to read the legend? I haven't read the legend yet. Yeah, no. Okay. The first series is good. Oh, and yeah. Doesn't the first series end in a way that a sequel would be hard? But anyway. Yeah, right. Exactly. We're, we're dealing with You know, I, I call it the, like, it's like great, it's like a B-movie films. You know what I mean? You're just, okay. you're on board. Yeah. All right. Uh, also finished up in 2014 was Witch Doctor, Malpractice by Brandon Seifert and Luke Kettner. Um, their sequel was just as much fun as the original, and I hope to see more somewhere when they get inspired to do so. Uh, the BPRD franchise, still trucking ahead with the end of the world. Everything is horrible. Everything's dying. The monsters are coming out of the cracks of the earth. I'm fully convinced the end is here. God help me. I'm still reading this stuff religiously. Uh, Buck Rogers, with one issue to go, Howard yeah. Takens considered me. I'm like, God, Howard, for a man that's what? I'm 52. He's got to be well into his 60s. He's writing two of my favorite series of the year, Buck Rogers, and, or excuse me, drawing them. It's probably a studio, right? I think it's fair to say a studio. The guy's working really overtime. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Buck Rogers, another one to keep an eye on. If you get anything you interject with me, you go for it, okay? Uh, um, I'm going to, but I, I'm going to do an impromptu list when you're done. Oh, wonderful. Okay, i got to blow yeah. through this. Thing. All right, sorry. Glory by Joe Keatings and Russ Campbell. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yet another Rob Liefeld creation that could be done by indie, independent creators and succeed. Um, for those of you who enjoyed Profit, I highly suggest going the, uh, getting the two Glory trades. Uh, read those. Those are fun. Uh, Godzilla, the Half Century War. James Stokoe. Damn it! I was going to use that one. I you am bomb. so sorry. I, you know, I'm pretty thrilled, dude. I apologize. That, <sighs> now that, I am going to have to interject. You get okay. done, and then I'll. You, you know, I'll let go. you interject now. No, you quick. go. Okay. You go. Well, anyway, right. James Stokoe. You know, who the fuck thinks you could read Godzilla comics? Not me. I'm 52 years old. I wouldn't touch Godzilla comics with a fucking 10 foot pole. But you put James Stokoe on there. I'm there. Okay, and it works. The uh, story of a man whose lifetime was spent in pursuit of Godzilla told in 10-year chunks is great comics. Sorry, your turn. Okay, and I mean, the the weird thing about it is that it's, um, it's accurate to the... It, it's not... It, it's a revamp of, of the movies, but yeah, he, he brings in... Uh, battles and monsters from from the original Toho movies and sort of presents them in a in a reasonably uh, it's convincing digestible manner uh, his yeah. explanations for these things but yeah it's 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 a great book um, and who thought you could read Godzilla not me there you go. There you go. Who would uh, have thought? Exactly. Well, on, exactly. A great Godzilla book. All right. You ready? Punk Rock Jesus. Sean Murphy finished up. No, that, I haven't read it yet. Okay. It was, it was, it, it's, it's, it's not perfect, but it's, it's got so much testosterone and energy you have to read it. I'm sorry. Um, here's one you might want to comment on. Fashion Beast by Alan Moore and company. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 
it was yeah honorable yeah, mention. I can see it as an honorable mention. You're yeah, right. I can see it. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's this, got a lot of lot of problems, but the Alan Moore idea, whatever the idea was, however much it was Alan Moore, however much it was his co collaborator on that is well his collaborator on that. Um, it yeah, it's a it's a very interesting book, and it should be a lot better than that, it is. Right. I mean, it wasn't yeah. him? I think it was a collaborator, Malcolm McLaren. I yeah. have one of his albums, and they're just fun. And I just said to myself, wow, a stage production with music between Alan Moore and Malcolm McLaren. And, you know, the adaption is flawed, like you say. And uh, I won't, you know, we know the writer, Anthony Johnson, had some issues about trying to make, visualize this, perhaps. I'm not sure, because the dramatic moments aren't there. But it wasn't the artist, uh, was it Fercundo Perseo? He did a good job for what he was given. A fun, interesting book, let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. I came in with uh, also Five Weapons by Jimmy Robinson. Did you get a ch- chuck on that one? At I all? did. I liked that one. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it was fun. Yeah. I, yeah, can see really that. I, I think it was. Uh, it was on the verge of being all ages too, which is I. So I yeah. emailed him and I go, you know, you're almost there. You you keep it. You keep it there, and you're you could have a breakthrough book. I think. Um, honorable mention also went to Las Vegas by Jim McCann and Elaine Lee. That was a fun miniseries gone through Image. I don't know if it sold, but it was a fun story about a gambler who becomes an indentured slave after losing big in his rebellion one last chance uh, on this space satellite is good stuff. Uh, let's see. 47 Robin Ronin by Stan Sakai. Uh, or, uh, Yo, Yo, what's his name? Yojimbo, is that his name? Yes. Uh, that was a uh, good uh, retelling of the Japanese myth that a lot of my customers and I enjoyed. Uh, Amala's Blade by Steve Horton and Michael Dillananis. Is that right? I'm probably messing that dude. You're probably butchering it. I'm probably butchering it. I should just leave it. But Amala's Blade was a great, uh, a great all-ages read, and uh, that one I recommend. I think Dark Horse did that as a series. It's coming out in trade paperback pretty soon. Ask your dealer about it. Uh, here's one Andrew's familiar with, Suicide Risk by Mike Carey and L.A. Yep. Asagrande. You want to talk for a sec? Uh, it's... You know, it's been a bumpier read for me than it has been for you, but, and, oh, yeah, because we disagree. Go for it. We disagree on the uh, best issue in the series. Yeah, right. There was a done in one that Andrew <laughs> thought was good, and I thought it was good, but I just didn't like the way it was inserted there. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, it hurt It hurt me. You know, it was like a done in one that was right at the edge of a, because and, and Mike Carey, if there's one flaw to his work that's noticeable is he can't do endings, right? Is that is that that? But, yeah, you can cliffhanger. That's inaccurate. Yeah, yeah he can't do cliffhangers. He can't no, do cliffhangers, not. right? And he had a cliffhanger at the end of four, and then he throws the greatest issue of the series in five, and then we go back to the storyline, which I understand for the sake of continuity. That's why they did it, but book. But anyway, I've been you know I've been using it as a bridge book for my customers who are disaffected with Marvel and DC and are looking for something else. It's a um, it's a mix between it's what it's. They haven't been doing a lot of cop superhero stuff lately. It seems like they were doing that a couple of years ago. Um, it's not. Oh, it, 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 it lacks that 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 spice that gives it the the, the next level to go to. Perhaps I'm not sure. It's yeah, like, and I. Boom might be requesting he make it a lot more sellable to Hollywood as a uh, TV okay. show. Okay, yeah, because he doesn't get to go into the pale but, too much. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good stuff in it, and the you can overlook the 
stuff that isn't so good. Like. Right, exactly. I find it an engaging superhero-esque read, perhaps. All right. Did Django Unchained? Did you get a chance to read any of those? I did not get a re- chance to read that. I remember that, though, yeah. Did you, did you see the film? I didn't yet. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well... Uh, I, anyway, the, the comic book itself will fill in. I, I guess was it Tarantino? He came in yeah. with this ridiculously long film, and DC adapted all the scenes and important stuff that wasn't in the film. So if you're a Django the Unchained fan, you owe it to yourself. And I'm not sure DC has not announced a collection of this. It must have sold so fucking horribly that they don't. <laughs> they have not announced a collection. What months after it finished? But anyway, it's a nice, was it seven? Was it seven or nine? I don't know how many, eight, something like that. But it had all the scenes in it that weren't in the movie. So if you're a fan of that, you should definitely pursue the comic book because they were done professionally with great aplomb by a number of uh, good artists. Let's put it that way. All right. Um, I got four more. Can you handle it? I can handle it. All right, good. Ghosted by Joshua Williamson and Goran mm-hmm. Suzuku. That was a fun series. Uh, a guy who takes on ghosts. Perfect pilot for TV. I think it would work fine. And uh, as a comic, uh, Goran Suzuku makes it convincing. Uh, the 100 Bullets series by, was it Brother Lono? Brian Brother Lono was going to be on my list, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's a really uh, convincing comic. I mean, those two have worked together for a while, too. You could say they're like, uh, they got this simpatico, like Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Yeah. They, well, they know, one's a writer, one's an artist. They know their roles, and they seamlessly tell this uh, epic. And uh, it was nice to be revisiting the 100 Bullets universe, and uh, we'll see how it turns out. How did you feel about it? Uh, you know, I... I had not read a hundred bullets yet. I've read a hundred bullets number one. That was the only one I, I ever read. Wow! So they come. I out know straight. that's an interesting perspective. I'm going into it straight, so I don't know the backstory on the brother Lono character. Well, um, I have to be careful about how I talk to you for about this from now on. Then. Well, I, I um, the, Rizzo does a lot of good mood, and then it, this story slowly picks up, and it's really cool stuff. I. Wow. The cliffhangers are a little weird, but, you know, it's working out really well. Yeah, um, I, it's a good introduction to what Ezreal does best, which is kind of like crime noir, I guess. Is that is it the phrase? Yeah, yeah good stuff. Yeah, good but stuff. I mean, you know, he spends about three issues just giving you the, the mood of this this de- depressed Mexican town. It's really cool. Yeah, really and cool it, stuff. It, yeah. It, 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 it takes place a real slowly, but you know what? Him and, Viz, and Rizzo, Eduardo Rizzo's uh, visuals are perfect because they, they just like – Rizzo, what, you, what, what he doesn't fill in in the words, Rizzo does with the pictures. So it, they just work really nice. All right, moving on. Rocket Girl by Brandon uh, Montclair. That's a nice book. Isn't I wouldn't it? have remembered that. That is a nice book. Um it's it's really smart in how it 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 it's primed for a YA audience, a young adult uh, audience, because in the future detectives are teenagers because adults are too corrupt, and then she goes back in time, but she goes back in time to the eighties New York, so you've got this uh it's it's this wonderful retro feel to it. So uh, the way they split the appeal of the book. So you're appealing to, you know, 
readers in the in the age range of I'd say you know say 34 to 44 but also then to the teens it's really cool stuff yeah right, right. Uh, what's it, Amy Reader even though she's not the writer uh, let me see who's my uh, writer Rob, Br- Brandon Montclair Brandon somebody yeah. yeah Montclair I mean but Amy Reader sells the book with these like gorgeous active <sighs> energetic visuals that are they're like they're like sugar coating for your eyes that you drop in like Visine and you just enjoy looking at them this is the kind of book that back in, hmm, say, 2004, 2005, if they were putting this out, Vertigo or DC would hire up Amy Reader, but she's already gone that route. Right, she's and been knows, to DC so now and she's gone. doing this. Yeah. You know, because that's kind of the nice thing that DC doesn't want to pay shit anymore, thanks to the new 52. So people are really doing their own properties. You know, you, you um, might, you, isn't that funny? You just made a point there about DC, Andrew, about like they, 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 their whole attitude would turn away enough people to start a new revolution in publishing, you know, and that's. that's well, when you think about it, DC was always a place that. Um, it was creator friendly. It was very creator friendly, and that has totally fallen off now. We saw it fall off when Jeanette Kahn left, and now once D, once Warner decided they were going to step in in a bigger role, we've seen it just totally drop off. And it's 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 odd to me personally that they're as successful with it as they are because right. how long it's lasted? Because Marvel has. Regardless of anything else they do, they have a built-in X-Men reader fan base. They can do whatever they want. They can have Chuck Austin do whatever he wants. They can have whatever art, whatever crappy artists they want on these books. And, it, and people will buy – they have a base buyer on this. I think they might have even talked about this a little bit in Marvel Comics The Untold Story. Well, it's stronger so, than DC's. I wouldn't say it's invulnerable, though, because I, I wouldn't. Okay, but yeah, I didn't know DC even had one. Oh God, yes, it was mostly older. Like Marvel skewed younger, because you know. But then DC skewed older, and then I think at the mm-hmm. New Fifty Two, a lot of people jump ship, and then you know it's it's harder to move the youth because they're really into it more. So you know, the older are more. Eh, I've been here, done that. I'm out of here. You know, right. where the youth are like, okay, you can hang on to me for a while yet if you don't screw me All in the right. ass. All right, and time for my last one. Believe it or not, right, it's it definitely go. it's Afterlife with Archie, one of my favorite comics. Oh, it's a good book. It really is. For two issues, I mean, any person in America could read this comic and have fun with it because Archie, the Archie universe being invaded by zombies. This is not a, a book for kids, but you know, if you got kids in older grade school, I'm sure they'd enjoy it. It's not that bad, but it is great. Uh, who's our creators? No. Robert uh, Robert Aguirre's. Casa, and I hope I'm not mangling his name. You're mangling it, but yeah. Okay, and then Francisco Francavilla. Francisco, yeah. I could do he that. He does like great so. art. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Great yeah, but these are a great time. Two issues. Go to your retailer. If he doesn't have them, beat him over the head with a stick and ask him. Um, so that raises a question. Now you're more familiar with this than I am. Is the level of maturity in the storytelling is does that is that actually how mature Archie comics are now? No, no, that's an aberration. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Okay. That, right, in right, fact, right. the Archie guy, promotional guy, went on uh, the internet to all the dealers and said, do not rack these with traditional Archie comics. So there you okay. go. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So what on the list that I missed that you came up with that I missed? I'm going to Okay. So Roger Langridge's uh, Popeye ended this year. Oh, shit. 
shit, you're right, and you're right. You I should have made it. shit on him. Oh, I shit on Roger bomb. Landridge. God, I'm going to hell now for shitting on Roger Landridge. Yep. I'm sorry. Delightful comic book. I hope it's all been collected. Um, oh, yes, just, yes. Yeah, they're in trade yeah. paperback form. The, for all, all the Popeyes are by IDW, and you should go out and buy many copies of them. Uh, oh, they're great fucking comics. book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going up my list. Now, it's kind of nice for me because I wasn't really reading a lot of contemporary stuff. No, you were because of the publishing with... schedule. Well, we won't go there tonight anyway. Just because of the publishing schedule of the blog, it's taken me, you know, two years to get to the point where I'm behind now. But for a while, <laughs> oh, I was, God, I you was jumped re- off to Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was making four posts a day. I mean, Man. come on. That's, yeah. Okay, so where the heck? I'm, I'm no, well, you, you got, got me on that one. What else did you get me on? Okay, I got you on that one. Um, the Pocket Guide to Objects by Huzinga. Oh, did you order those, or did yeah. they ever not show up? Yeah. I got them, and it, it was a wonderful right. book. And you're right, Kevin These Huzinga. wonderful little books, yeah. Touche. I mean, Hozinga is the, uh, he is the, uh, what would you call him? Perhaps the, uh, let's see, what's our guy? Who's, who's our guy that did Acme Novelty? Like Chris Ware. He's the, the Chris Ware's Chris Ware of indie yeah, comics right now. Lovely little self-printed things. He did another collection, um, Half Men. Um, he adapted some old comic he found. He's just a, he's just a great Great guy. Okay, so I've this got guy that. cranks these out. These guys, if you order these, if you somehow figure out how to get these, you can email us if you want them and don't know how to get them. But it's work. But I tell you, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Yes, it yes. is. Uh, I'm going to go with. I'm going to honorable mention. I'm okay. going to do Hawkeye Annual Number One. Okay, that that made my third list, but we'll go into that okay. in a second. Um, just because, uh, as we've talked about, I don't know if we've ever, I think we did talk about it on the podcast, that um, <laughs> Matt Fraction's doing such a better job with Kate beating Hawkeye than he is with Clint. That <laughs> yeah. yeah, embarrassingly just, better. Yeah, he should just get rid of that. Right, um, Clint, go bye-bye and make the book together. about Kate, and I'll be on there forever. I hope it sells, that's all I can tell you. Yeah, um, I'm going to, I think, am I going to say the... Um, follow the House of Usher. To, oh, to you can shop. certainly get yeah. that in there. I mean, uh, Rich Corbin yeah. certainly due to a mention there. Yes. Yeah. Um, and now let's see here. My uh, my list here has reset. I am going to go with um. Come on, iPad. Ah, that's why I did all this work before the podcast. I know. Well, you know, we didn't decide this was going to be the format. No, no, no. Okay, well, I remember one RoboCop last stand. Okay, I'll give you that one. That's fun, right? Yeah, that's a fun read. By Corkett. I I don't even care. It's Stephen Grant. um, Stephen Grant, wow. Corkett or... Oh, I cannot... Mangle his name for us. I've been going through it. Corkett or no, I'm I'm trying to. It's rhyming in my head here. It's I don't think it rhymes. Uh, I know his first name's Corkett. His last name starts with an O. Come on, RoboCop: The Last Stand. Somewhere. Oh, I don't have uh, my iPad with me. Sorry. Oh, you don't have your iPad with you. Um, it should be right here because it's it's right by. Here we go. Corkett. Can't believe we're doing all this. I can't either. Uh, sorry, folks. But it was a good Corkett series. Yeah. Ozkin. Uh, he's not done yet. 
Oztekin. We're not going to be able to pronounce it anyway. So it, it's the Frank Miller RoboCop 3 script, supposedly. Uh, this is like a sequel series. I bet Stephen Grant wrote these scripts back in... Oh, oh, whatever. When he did the Avatar ones, yeah, with uh, Juan Reap, Jose Reap, and I, I, I subjected myself to all the RoboCop comics, so you did. I'm an authority on this topic. <laughs> and so what the problem with the comic is, is even though RoboCop is a very, uh, the first one feels like a, a good comic at times, it, the problem is, is that it, it's kind of boring because you've never really had an artist who... You know, RoboCop's story, you can't really do a dystopian future because he's not that interesting a character to move through it. And Juan Jose Reap does his... What did I think of how to describe him? He's a gory George Perez. Okay, he, there you he go. He loves detail. It's he's, all gore. But he's but got rough he lines. Lost. The stuff happens with his ink work, and it's it's just really rough and, and, and hewn, and it's very ragged at points. So, you know, and but this corkit... Oskin guy is he's like a punk artist and it's just this great way of of doing a RoboCop story and the all action issues are amazing and the uh, and Stephen Grant I guess I don't know if he he worked on it again I assume he did because he's pretty tight with Boom some of the issues you can see he'll he'll be he'll pace them out to uh, to surprise people who are actually familiar with. The RoboCop 3 movie, the last one, a lot of surprises, and it was really cool stuff. And so that, that that's one of my top ones. I, I, I You really dug the, that one. That was good because, you know. Like I the, love that one. I, I can't wait for the, uh, I've been reading it in digital copies. I can't wait for it to come out as a, uh, I'll buy the trade pay, or hardcover of that one when that comes out. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Battling Boy, you bastard. Well, you know what? That, that made my top Top uh, was it top eight trades actually? So, but go for it. Yes. Okay, I'd... battling Bay, Paul Pope. He's been working on it for years. Um, it's his first new work in quite a while, I believe. His first long new work. He did some THB stuff, and supposedly he's working on THB again for us. Um, battling Boy, great, great book. Um, he's he's shooting for the Harry Potter sort of 12-year-old boy readership. Uh, and I think I said it in my review of it. Uh, if he doesn't follow it up, if he doesn't have another one ready for next year, he's never going to be able to do this, and I don't think he can, is the problem. To, to top that would be very difficult. Off. Yeah, because he, he, yeah. he did wonderful on that. It's a, it's a perfect story for yeah. uh, an entry level comic it's like reader. a it's like a flash gordon sort of as a kid it's it's great stuff right it's got all that wonderment that that hip yeah. hip elements like the 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 suitcase full of t-shirts mm-hmm. and all sorts of like visual elements that pope comes up with is visualization of the monsters the battle boy has to to, have to yeah. fight and it's it's definitely uh, it's de- you know like it's kind of funny cuz if if it's i i made that into my like top Ten of, or is it my my trade list? Because it was, you'd think it would come out as a serialization first, and that was an interesting thing that uh, Brian Hibbs, who was the retailer of uh, comics, uh, is it not Revel? Is it Revel? What's in it? Comics Relief of uh, San Francisco. He said that he thought about think about the money we could have made if this were. <laughs> 
brought into serial form and then collected as a trade paperback. And I said to myself, you know, if they could have broke this up into what six to eight issues, man. Oh, oh Jesus. yeah, yeah, we'd have just we'd have just killed. But anyway. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, next up, I, I, I just have honorable mentions for comics, which is mainstream readable, of which Hawkeye made it for me. Um, okay. Superior Spider-Man by Wait, Dan I'm not Swan. done yet. You're not done yet? Well, I'm sorry. I'm Go not for, done yet. Oh, well, keep Marvel going, Season. Which one, Well, Marvel Season. You like that one. Okay, I'll give I that one. I freaking loved it. Yeah. Oh, it's like, it's like Love and Rockets meets Peanuts. It was fucking great. All right. That's right, you're the Peanuts um, fan. Okay. I'm a Peanuts lover. Okay, so I don't know if I'm recommending it, but honorable mention, Trillium turned out all right for you me. You know, yeah. You're not on board, but I'm I'm, I'm I'm really digging it, and I've never gotten Jeff Lemire. Maybe I've been reading the wrong stuff, but he turns it around in a couple issues that he does really well with. Um, so I'm on board with that. Let me see. You know, I, I could see that. That would get honorable mention. You know, perhaps, what, he's going to finish it next year, right? Yeah, it's so right, and, and then then if he comes back, then I'll I'll reread it again, and we may visit it like that. Okay, I'm almost done. Now I'm actually almost done, but don't. I had a long list. I have no, nowhere to complain to. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm still not done. I got a list out my ass here, buddy. Uh, Velvet Two came out this year. Velvet Two was really good. I just read that uh, yesterday. What, I don't think two? it gets you. Issue Two. I really liked it. I'm on board now. I wasn't on board with Issue One because it's Ed Brubaker doing easy stuff. But Issue Two was a lot of fun. Uh, Bloodhound is back from Dan Jolie. Oh Leonard yeah, Kirk this was honorable mention. Yes, it's you're right. a definite honorable mention. It's nice to have that guy back. Um. I think I'm almost done. I think I'm there. Don't you tell your girlfriends? No, just kidding. Oh, funny guy. There have been a lot of cool startups in the last uh, couple months. Uh, we, we've been talking about Never Ending and Clown Fate. Not Never Ending. Oh, God, not Never Ending. That's a piece of crap. Pretty Deadly, Clown Fatale. <laughs> Clown Fatale. Uh, Kiss Me Satan. Two issues yeah, out. Go, I, don't beat your dealer for him. There's been some there's been some cool stuff starting up. So what what, what it was kind of funny. Uh, what was that IDW or Dark Horse came up with? What was that? Uh, what's that? What's that uh, type of film that? Uh, Grindhouse. You like that? I hated that. But anyway. well, you know, I thought it was okay. But when when I compare when I tell customers about Clown Fatale, I said yeah. this is Grindhouse. This imitates Grindhouse. Yeah. This is Grindhouse. That's how I put the book. That's together. some awesome stuff. Um, okay, now go ahead with your. Okay. Well, anyway, my mainstream runner, picks runner were the were the already mentioned Hawkeye. Uh, okay. You know, these are I call it mainstream uh, readable. Uh, Superior Spider Man by Dan Slott. You know, it's still readable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he had his missteps here and there, but anybody who writes eighteen issues of Spider Man, give this guy some slack. He hits some good points. Anyway, going on Daredevil by Mark Wade and uh, Chris Samney, very readable and fun. Uh, believe it or not, Green Arrow by indie writer Jeff Lemire, who now has a career at DC, and artist Andrea Sorrentino, who uh, comes from the Jay Lee school and does one better. And then finally, uh, Wonder Woman by Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang. This book is completely independent of the DC universe and all the better for it. And uh, Cliff Chang and Azzarello's reinterpretations of mythic uh, archetype uh, gods are just wonderful and a great read. So we move to the trades really quickly. 
Okay, let's but, move to the trades. Uh, right. trades apparently, tra- yeah. Okay. It was trades are tough because you know you don't want to include like collected versions of stuff that you thought was great, and uh, there's just a lot of other rules. And then I like I say we came up with the Zombo, which I think was one of the greatest comics of the year. But the only reason, the only way Americans could read it was in collected format. So we'll probably have a couple of uh, reruns here. But my number eight was the Killer Omnibus. Volume 1 by uh, Mats and Jackamon, or Jackamon mm-hmm. and Mats. That was a, a great story about a, uh, well, you call him professional hitman who had a uh, change of conscience near the maturation of his life, perhaps, anyway. That was good stuff. And that collected a wonderful series that's uh, published by Arcadia. Number 7, which I'm not sure you're familiar with, was Good Dog by Graham Chaffee from Fantagraphics. This was a pretty... Yeah. And it was a great story about a uh, loose hound who uh, ran into a lot of different situations and um, his story. And it's uh, really well done by Graham Chaffee, who has, uh, obviously has an affinity for dogs. Okay, so I'd recommend that one. Uh, my number six came in uh, Torpedo Volume 4 from IDW by Sanchez Bulli and Jordi Bernay. These uh, great, great reprintings of the amoral gangster Torpedo uh, are just great R-rated gangster stories. Uh, I don't know how to put it any more than that. Uh, number five came in was the. Did you get to read the San Titolo uh, story by Cameron Stewart this year? You know, I had not. I have not gotten to it yet. You know yeah. what? You're a film guy. You should definitely space in it. I, I think he, he published it all online before he put it in a collected edition from Dark Horse, and I found it to be a great kind of cinematic type of thing and I really enjoyed the experience and if you're into like uh, psychological thrillers that was a good way to go uh, number four was the aforementioned Zombo okay here I am breaking my rules again because uh, it's the only way you're going to get to read that goddamn thing number three uh, here's one you might not be familiar with uh, the um, Titan of England publishes the First Kingdom reprints volume one and two by Jack Katz have you seen those or heard of those no I have not Jack Katz published The First Kingdom through Bud Plant, I think, in the 70s. And it was one of the earliest black-and-white alternative comics uh, about, think, ElfQuest and Cerebus. And uh, this thing was published, I don't know, 30-something comics. And Jack Katz was a Golden Age cartoonist, believe it or not. And he had enough energy in him to tell this far-reaching galaxy spanna uh, of just ridiculous uh, ambition levels. And uh, I, I recommend those of you who like uh, science fiction and fantasy and have a tenacity towards reading long serialized comics because uh, the first two volumes of this are very addicting if you're into those such things. And uh, a good way to go. Uh, there is nudity. Anyway, uh, let's see. Number two came in. Here we go. I'll put the provide the sound effects there for a sec. Uh, Mark Schultz's uh, Xenozoic Tales uh, artist edition from IDW. That was the must-have art edition of these stories. You know the old – have you read the Xenozoic Tales by Schultz? I have not. Oh, they are some classics. Uh, Kitchen, I think, published those back, I'm thinking, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, they are some of the most great post-apocalyptic stories ever written and Xenozoic uh, Tales Artist Edition reprints the second half of it, which is perhaps the greatest fantasy artwork I've seen in our generation. This is, this is something you should definitely look at if you get a hand on it. 
And you know, guess no, guess what my number one pick was. Okay. Badland boy. <laughs> there you go. Look at you. We finished that out in a nice round circle, didn't we? Oh uh, well. Did you have any must reads of things you haven't read that you wanted to read? I'm sure, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I actually compiled a couple of those. Yatsuba, I want to catch up on those. My uh, The new Parker hardcover by Darren Cook came oh, out. Oh, yeah, I just saw that came out. Yeah, yeah And Love and Rockets, Volume 6 by the Hernandez Brothers. I haven't, haven't had the time to read that, but that's on my hit list. And the best of comic book hardcover that came out, because uh, we don't get enough good history books about comics, but I really, really wanted to read about how Marvel Comics actually published undergrounds back in the 70s, or was it late 60s? I forget. But for eight issues or so, Stan Lee and Dennis Kitchen actually co-published Underground Comics through Marvel. i got to read that. I'm sorry. We sort of forgot one that deserves an honorable startup mention is um, Manifest Destiny. Oh, yeah. That was very promising. The first, Did you read yeah. the first two? Yeah, I've read the two, yeah. Oh, wonderful book, isn't it? So for revisionist uh, history with, uh, you know, in the second issue, it brings that horror element to the forefront. Yeah, it does. So it'll be interesting to see where that one goes. It's going to yeah. be 2014 is going to be an interesting year for your pretty much everything. Uh, nothing published by Marvel or DC except maybe Hawkeye. You know, at some point I'm like, we're almost there. We're just about there. And if these guys don't pick up their act, you know, they're just going to be out the door. That's all there is to it. Because when you don't get comics of the year or trade paperbacks of the year, what does that say? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, take all it all right. out. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do we finish this anyway? After we, after I've gone off on, uh, I've jumped off the cliff here. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Oh uh, well, what, what can you tell you? Uh, you know, this is this this is a list of uh, of a lot of good comics. Uh, I we we think you should get your pencils and pens and listen to this podcast one more time and write all the ones you want to read and go out and patronize <laughs> those titles. That's all I can tell you. Uh, Alright. You know, I mean, uh, Andrew Andrew and I read a lot of comics. I mean, this is just a fraction of them, so uh, you figure, maybe what the hell, dude, we've got a good vote here, so take it and take it and run, my friends. Take it and run. And then, let's see, we'll be back in 2014. Yeah, that, that that's it. Mm. I can't believe it's our last podcast of 2013, but... Uh, I think we left a pretty good uh, listing of things for them to read over the winter break anyway. Yes. Well, anyway, um, if you have any questions, queries, comments, complaints, get a hold of us through the Facebook or Comics Gallery at Gmail with an X. Uh, I'll, I'll be glad to ignore them all. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll get back to you. I've, I've, got, I've got that much spare time now that we're past the Christmas sales season almost. Won't be too much longer anyway. And uh, let's see. Hmm. We'll get back on the regular student uh, diatribes of uh, media and news probably at the beginning of the year anyway, I'm thinking. Yeah, maybe we'll try. Yeah, we'll try to do something a couple weeks sooner than later. Yeah. But uh, from all of us at Comicland, enjoy your comics, read your comics, and, uh, you know, you vote with your money as far as what good comics are. <laughs> You know, that's <laughs> if I leave you with one good message, for, you know, buy the ones that give you the most out of it, because that's why we're sitting here doing this, basically, because we care. All right. 
All right. Well, well thank well. you for listening. Yeah. yeah. Happy holidays. We love you all. Oh yeah. Happy Hall- Happy New Year.